I believe a cabal of secret societies has controlled the world for 200 plus years, and we get to be alive at a time to see it fall. I believe in the power of one person working as a team with other Christian patriots can have massive impact in reversing this ungodly culture. I believe that we have an omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent God that has put his hand on this moment in time to deny the timeline of the enemy and is about to heal our land. This is Rick, your host, and I believe that God has called me to empower Christian patriots with truth. Join us now for the Blessed Teach Show, and let's see what God is doing today. Wednesday, December 20th, 2023, and uh, we are going to be digging into the reactions of the Colorado Trump ballot battle, where they're trying to take him, if they've actually ruled, we're taking him off the ballot. So that'll go to the Supreme Court, obviously, and there's like 23 other states um, trying to do various forms of trying to get him off the ballot. And so this will be a key ruling, obviously, from the Supreme Court. Um, I do believe that this is just another example of showing the deep state panic and really another part of the wake-up call. People are going to be waking up and saying, wow, um, they really do not like him. And they're going to realize it's not for insurrection. They don't like Trump because they are terrified of the truth coming out about the what they've done to the children and their secret societies and what they've done with the medical cartel, what they've done with the voting machine across 54 countries. This deep state is in panic. They know Trump couldn't take them out. They cannot allow him to, to, to become president. And so uh, this, this is really an interesting battle. We also see President Z saying, hey, Biden, I'm taking Taiwan, dude. Um, and uh, with as weak as uh, he is, uh, I think that's gonna be another one of those items where we see the deep state fighting each other, actually. We'll talk about that a little bit as we get into that. And then Aaron Annis is coming on live talking about his beautiful father's paintings. We're gonna be talking about the birth of Christ and a beautiful prophetic painting that um, will kind of get us into uh, the Christmas spirit as we dig in right now. But let's get into this breaking news here. What we see is uh, breaking the Colorado Supreme Court disqualifies Donald Trump from the state's primary ballot after legal challenges. This is right after we got the air yesterday. It's when all this hit. Um, we trust the U.S. Supreme Court will set aside this reckless decision and let the American people decide the next president of the United States. This is what uh, we see Speaker Mike Johnson talking about. Now, he's really come under heavy fire. Everybody's thinking he's just a normal rhino when he did not protect us from being surveilled by FISA. And I kind of have mixed emotion of that. You have Laura Logan and many others just saying Mike Johnson is just as bad. And even a lot of the Freedom, freedom Conquest is, this is, that is just as bad as McCarthy was, just as bad as Paul Ryan because of this one ruling. When I think you gotta look at the wider context of all this and 
And I do understand that we do not want um, the FISA being used to do illegal surveillance. But on the other hand, we have to take out these criminals. And some of those uh, FISA goes both ways is what Q talked about, right? So I don't think we're in a big hurry uh, right now from a white hat perspective to, to, to bring in privacy to such a level that we cannot um, take some of these guys out. I know it's going to probably be military operations and civil won't matter and all that type of stuff. But I do think we're using FISA both ways. And I don't think we should judge Mike Johnson based on that. But boy, there are people that are just saying he is as bad as everybody else. And I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt right now. We'll see. He definitely seems to be a devout Christian, seems to um, be taking stances that McCarthy was not taking on other issues. There's no question that he went with the Uniparty on uh, allowing that FISA to be approved through um, the larger military budget bill. But again, again, guys, I think FISA goes both ways. Let's remember that, okay? So do not, uh, you have some of these libertarians, uh, such as Laura Logan, just completely abandoning him as a, as a massive rhino. There was a picture of him with Paul Ryan as well, because I've got all kinds of things and pictures that I've taken with people that I don't necessarily am not buddies with, okay? And, and Trump, you can just manage the amount of people that take pictures with Trump, you know, or any any famous person that's, that, that's here, or you just happen to be in the same circles. They're both in Washington, D.C. They're both Republicans. Um, obviously, we Paul Ryan is the epitome of a rhino, so it is disappointing to see him with Speaker Mike Johnson. But I didn't address that the other day, so I wanted to come back to that. But uh, he, he's clearly um, Mike Johnson's taken really good stances on everything. And here is the actual Twitter post or the X post, right, saying, we trust the U.S. Supreme Court will set aside the reckless decision and let American people decide the next president of the United States. And that's really the reaction we're getting for most pe people that aren't part of the swamp, right? And it's becoming pretty obvious. Um, you see the White House densies in itself completely where the press secretary is saying uh, they, they won't comment on I cannot comment on anything that is related to the upcoming election of 2024 and this legal process. So I'm just going to comment. I'm just, uh, and this is press secretary, this uh, KJP they call her. And so it'd be interesting to see what, how, what Biden would say. Oh, he did say something. So, so, so they try to just say no comment, no comment, don't say anything, but what does Biden do? He creates a fool of himself by backing the Colorado Supreme Court and claims that Trump did support an insurrection. Uh, this will just, in my opinion, just come back to bite him pretty heavily as you look at right here. So this is get on uh, X, you'll find it in the post-millennial. See if this- Reaction the Colorado ruling on Trump at the ballot? Welcome to Trump and Alex. Fortune. Trump and Alex. Trump and Now he comes to the reporter. <laughs> oh God, oh God, oh boy, here we go. Well, I think certainly they're self-evident. You saw it all. Now, whether the 14th Amendment applies, I'll let the court make that decision. But he certainly supported an insurrection. And no question about it. None, zero. And uh, he seems to be doubling down on about everything. Anyway. 
So there he is, <laughs> even after everybody else is trying to stay, let's not comment about this official, we're not partisan. He comes in and basically uh, you know, tells the lie that Trump is an insurrectionist when he said peacefully and patriotically and everything you saw that was happening with the breaking of the barriers and all that by the Antifa slash Black Lives Matter slash feds slash DC police. Um, it was all done before he was even done speaking. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's really silly uh, the, the the narrative they're trying to spin here. Hey, this episode is sponsored by QE Strong. This is a quantum energy strong where, where the patches that have Bible verses on them and they get people off big pharma. They also we also have the, you saw that infrared wand there. That is a pretty awesome thing. Um, again, probably too late for Christmas, but for yourself, make sure you get your um, your your IR wand, which uh, was well. You know, I think that Brian Artist talked about how important infrared technology was. Here, that is right there, and uh, infrared technology that that would cost seven or eight thousand dollars to get the unit that he has. But you can get a wand for way cheaper, and we combine it with a pain patch as well as a full. Uh, ebook on how to use the wand and how what you can do with infrared light. So this for, for specialized areas, this works extremely well. So get yourself an IRR light or just go look at the um, 25% discount you're going to get. Usually it's a 15% discount using the B2T code. Um, through the end of December, we have a 25% discount. So make sure you take advantage of that 25% discount. You can get also gift cards. Um, and and if uh, be, even before Christmas, it will be delivered electronically. So if you want, still want to do some Christmas shopping for unique things, get people off big pharma with infrared type technology. But here is uh, obviously looking at the QE Strong um, energy patches, which we have massive credentials on. You guys will really love that. Go to QEStrong.com, visit that. I think you guys um, will really see um, the heart of that of, 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 of the EEG that shows. It, interacting with your natural energy system and changing the brain pattern so you don't have the pain, you don't have the anxiety. It, it, we have I've had great success with the weight loss too. There's like 15 different solutions you'll find at qestrong.com. Again, you just go to the shop button there, you'll see all these different types of solutions, men's solutions, women's solutions, including um, clarity support, health and wellness, uh, immune, neuropathy, postmenopausal, premenopausal. You'll enjoy it. Just go shop on qestrong and take advantage of that B2T code for 25% off versus the 15% off that we normally have. All right, let's continue to dig in to uh, lack. Here, here, here's here's a, a analysis of this Colorado decision. Lacks any limiting principles. Colorado's ruling kicking Trump off ballot violates constitution. Legal experts say. So here's a summary of that. This article again. You can find all my articles and even a summary of every show I do. Um, by just signing up for the free show notes. You go to blessedteach.com and, and that front page, the show notes are free. Um, and uh, you'll get a summary of every single show Tuesday through Friday from the Monday through Thursday show, as well as being able um, to have a link to every single um, item. The Colorado Supreme Court's Tuesday decision disqualifying former President Donald Trump from the 2024 primary ballot under Section 3 of the Fourth Amendment violates the Constitution, legal experts argued. It places the nation on a slippery slope where red and blue states could now engage in tit-for-tat disqualifications. George Washington University law professional Jonathan Turley wrote, noting the ruling lacks any limiting principles. Harvard University law professor enumerates Alan Dershowitz called the decision a purely partisan ploy. 
And that's what's really becoming so obvious with all these things happening in New York and within Georgia and D.C. with Jack Smith. And now you got this Colorado and all these 20 states trying to get them off the ballot. You see a panic by the deep state. And it's not a panic that you're going to have a Republican president. It's a panic that Trump is going to really take down and expose the pedophilia, expose what they're doing with the children, expose the secret societies, expose the, the medical cartel, and expose it all. This is what they're terrified of. If they lose the voting machines and get elections versus selections, they're done with. If they, if they, people really wake up to what these vaccines, uh, not just the COVID vaccines, but all the vaccines and how they actually create the diseases that the big pharma medicine just gives you relief but not cures, that whole medical cartel, if that gets exposed, they're over. If the banking cartel gets exposed, they're over. So this is a true battle for um, for for the, the the Constitution of the United States as well as the entire world liberty. It is exciting time to be alive, guys. This is why I invite you to fight this battle with us on the stage of um, prayer. And uh, that is uh, what this is all about. That's why we do praise and prayer Mondays and Thursdays. We also do word and worship on Thursdays and Fridays and dig in and to fight this battle. Again, we know that on uh, this yesterday's decision, this 4-3 decision, the court found Trump was an ineligible candidate under Section 3 of the Fourth Amendment, which disqualifies officials who take an oath to the Constitution and then engage in an insurrection from holding office. The decision is remarkably anti-democratic, multiple experts noted. Now, there's like three things involved here. It has, has, it has to do with, you know, is it, does this even apply to the president? Because it doesn't mention the president and the vice president when they talk about this office. That's one thing, right? The second thing is, is was it really an insurrection? Obviously, that is just absolutely ridiculous because it was a false flag. We know exactly what happened. Those of you that are awake know that. And, and that Trump actually said peacefully and patriotically. And uh, most of us that were there saw that it was massively peaceful. And, and we've seen that the select committee um, you know, hiding all their data as the big cover-up, that big uh, um, JJ6 select committee was literally a cover-up. And we know that the cover-up often has more crimes in it than and they doctored video. We know all that, this type of stuff, right? I'm, I'm speaking to the choir here, but that's another piece of this that's just completely, um, that, that will be ruled on. And then also, can't constitutionally, can you take people off based upon this area? So you gotta have three things they're gonna be ruling on. This will all go to the Supreme Court. It's just gonna wake up more people. I, 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 this is why we don't be anxious about anything as believers, right? And we know God is in control and he's doing some amazing things here that we can trust. We have Ramswamy to Colorado. If Trump's off the ballot, I don't want to be on. So he's challenged other candidates to take that same stance, and which is really interesting. Here it is. He says in and again on X, this is what an actual attack on democracy looks like. In an un-American, unconstitutional, unprecedented decision, a cabal of Democrat judges are barring Trump from the ballot of Colorado, having tried every trick in the book to eliminate Trump from running in, and then I'm going to go to the actual battle because he continues this for quite some time. Point, I'm just going to have that in the show notes for you guys as it's quite long. But the whole point is Ram Swamy is showing himself, um, he's almost like, he, 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 it's, it's almost like Joe Rogan, right? Everything they're doing right now is good, just like Elon Musk. Looks like everything they're doing is right now. And Vivek as well. 
um, even though he was funded by Soros for his college, right? So you wonder where all these guys are. I think these guys have all been flipped. That's my optimistic um, assessment, but we always have to be on the lookout for controlled opposition. Um, like um, Alex Jones was outed as being completely controlled opposition, just like Vladimir Lenin, remember, said, the best way to control the opposition is to lead it ourselves. And so the Soviet Union literally led this. And so that some people accused hate will accuse just like that. They're using its controlled opposition. And that's hogwash because Trump was right in there. You'd have to, if, if you say accused um, controlled opposition, you'd have to say Trump is, um, which is, in my opinion, absolutely ridiculous. So, uh, but these guys, Vivek, Elon Musk, Joe Rogan, um, they could be either, right? I'm taking, I believe they've been flipped based upon all the military tribunals that have already been done. And uh, so, again, those are the things I can't prove, but I know based upon all the logic and seeing what the prophets are saying, I really believe have happened. And it's going to be exciting to continue to follow this. Um, you know, they talk about it being a movie from a perspective. It's we shouldn't be stressed out about it, right? But it, we need to be activated especially into the army of God, especially into the remnant that he's calling right now that he's been talking to me quite a bit about. And, uh, and, and that's why we, everything we do in this ministry is, is, is to help activate you, to help you get connected in with other Christian patriots, to help understand how we actually put God first in our lives and allow him to lead us, which is the safest place in the world to be, right? Within God's will, within your calling, right? Reaction continues to pour in over the Colorado court's shock decision to bar Trump from the ballot. RFK Jr. slams it. So that's pretty interesting, too. So the whole role that JFK uh, Jr. is playing here, I mean, I'm sorry, RFK Jr. is playing is interesting as well. I think it's part of waking up this center and some of the left libertarians, right? The shocking decision of the Colorado Supreme Court that aims to keep former President Donald Trump off the ballot for the GOP presidential primary is in the state sent shockwaves across the world as angry critics continue to slam the opinion and argue that real Democrats don't work this way or real democracies don't work this way. And uh, so this is interesting to see how, how RFK talked about. So it says if a it, so it says Trump blocked from the ballot in Colorado when a court in other, another country disqualifies an opposition candidate from running, we say that's not a real democracy. Now it's happening here. I'm not a Trump supporter. If I were, I wouldn't be running against him. But I want to be him in a fair election, not because he was kicked off the ballot. Let the voters choose, not the courts. Hashtag Kennedy24. So Kennedy has no chance of winning this, and he knows that. And so, but, but he's exposing Joe for, and the whole Democratic organization for not giving him security detail, number one. Number two, not doing debates. And then now he's gone independent, which is actually showing that it's actually helping Trump, not hurting Trump. And at a minimum, it's, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's kind of uh, just sucks away from both of them. Uh, but the whole point being is that this, the, the Joe Rogans, the Kennedy Juniors, they heard <laughs> the Tuckers, that it's, it, their audiences are huge and they have, and, and, and it's, uh, an overwhelming psyop, in my opinion, coordinated a positive psyop to to expose the deep state, and that is exciting. Um, um, again, this is an exciting time to be alive, guys. Let's not be stressed about this. 
um, I wanted to see here, look at this. Um, Justin, California Lieutenant Governor. Laney, how do you ever say this? Kanakis writes Secretary of State to explore every legal option to remove Trump from the California 2024 ballot, political reports. So it's not just, so there's like 20 plus different, and the Colorado is the one that's gone all the way to the extent all these things have been being knocked down. They're obviously non-constitutional, especially when you know Trump wasn't guilty of an insurrection. That's 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 the obvious one. But they, they need to do a better job of getting that evidence out, right? Which will be really nice when, when that happens. Um, but anyway, you can see all these different opinions of JFK Jr. And you can see all these different states still trying to, the blue states and the red states fighting each other. Just shows you that this country was in trouble. This country was a captured operation. All three branches of the U.S. have been captured. All seven mountains of cultural influence was captured. And thank goodness we have an almighty God who loves us, who's coming to rescue us, right? And the fact that Trump was, was, uh, was able to override the voting machine fraud in 2016 is a miracle. In 2018, 2020, and 2022, we've caught them. Now it's a matter of, of doing all the military tribunals behind the scenes, and the public's not going to be able to know it until maybe 2024. Looks like 2024 is going to be a, a uh, an exciting time to see all this finally come to uh, a, a, a grand conclusion. Um, and uh, and the reason I think it's going to be before the election is because the deep state cannot let Trump win. They just cannot, right? So there's going to be there they'll go to military uh, law before that, right? And, and and we know that the CIC and the military law is really Trump. But they're, they're going to try to do everything. And, and I think it's this, again, the movie to wake up people with different types of uh, events, right? Many people woke up because of COVID. Many other people you back up woke up way back in 9-11. And then everything in between, right? The Trump era and seeing the Trump derangement syndrome woke other people up. So again, just because you're awake doesn't mean anybody's stupid. It's a, it's a sophisticated psyop that put them asleep. And so a sophisticated counter psyop is happening right before our eyes, I believe. And it is exciting to see it happen. And it's, I, I believe it's extremely positive is what, what we're seeing here. Um, before we get to that, let me get to this. Trump Iowa campaign rally has stage adorned with mugshot themed Christmas decoration. So you see this. <laughs> so they have the mugshot of him with a Santa, with a Santa hat on uh, from the Iowa campaign. So it's it's uh, and his popularity is just continuing to go up. So that's the biggest biggest problem they have. Um, we see so many problems though happening with it, with this captured op captured operation of all these branches and all these large corporations as well. Here's Delta and American Airlines flying illegal immigrants from Biden's Arizona processing center into domestic U.S. on late night flights, and this has finally been captured. And a lot of people are taking videos of this. Not going to get into these right now, but clearly showing the lines of people. I'll, I'll just play this. I'm at the Phoenix Airport right now. I'm waiting to board my flight to New York, uh, to JFK. And it looks like we have a whole lot of migrants who are also boarding this flight that the U.S. taxpayers are paying for. This is what the U.S. taxpayers are paying for right here. Premium seats on Delta <laughs> that they have people come. She goes on, the whole point, there's a ton of them here showing different views of all these uh, migrants that are having their little package. They get a cell phone, get their little white thing showing where they're going. They're, they're flying them all over the place. 
And so obviously to, to New York, they're also going and to Phoenix, to uh, Texas, and to many other areas where um, the primarily going to sanctuary cities, though, is where they is where most of you can imagine. That's where I'd want to go if I was an illegal alien, right? Where you have laws that, that kind of protect you. Um, so here's Trump talking about tippy top. Let's listen to this for a second. Oh, I'm different. But mine was in a secure location. Everything was tippy top. But you know, with this guy, just think about it. Yeah, for those of you who follow me know that tippy top is a key term that uh, Anon asked Trump to say way back uh, four years ago now. Here, here he is saying that same term again. I mean, that's just another nod to the Anons that, you know, especially the bad line media guys and the Matrix and Shady and all these guys are do, always analyzing Q drops. And they continue to do it even to this day despite the thousands of articles of, 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 of the Mockingbird media trying to malign Q. And uh, it's just, I, I laugh at it. It's just like, wow, you guys uh, that, are, that are the Mockingbird media, you lie every time you talk about Q, right? You won't even talk about the drops. You're talking about what other people said about the drops and, um, and talk about it being a PSYOP uh, and, and it, when, it's, when it's, it is a PSYOP against a deep state. <laughs> That's what it is. It's beautiful in my opinion. Here's a, a top science confesses that climate crisis is the depopulation scam. That's exactly what it is. It's a complete depopulation scam. And uh, now we got a whistleblower actually coming out and telling us that. Um, that used to be one of these scientists and they get funded only if they report the facts that they want and she would manipulate her facts to basically get them what they wanted. And that's the only way she'd get paid. So she'll, so go look at that. That is gonna be interesting stuff that I think you'll like in the um, show notes. Trump appointed judge just blocked the leftist critical race theory so there's a lot of other things going on well here i want to make sure you guys understand the good stuff you got you know and trump's truth saying biden should drop all of these fake political indictments against me both criminal and civil every case i am fighting is the work of the doj and white house no such thing has ever happened in our country before banana republic election interference so he just continued to pipe in that same message right He's a beautiful, uh, he knows how to how to use that power. We're gonna get Aaron Andis on here in a bit when he comes on. So if you see Aaron, let me know if he's on and we will get him on to talk about uh, another beautiful painting. And uh, while we're waiting on Aaron, what I'm gonna, what I was gonna do is go ahead and play uh, Rick's Alone Time with God. I'm gonna grab a different one. This was the 13th. This is Rick's Alone Time with God. Just one second, and I'm gonna um, grab the 16th, Wednesday, which I just December recorded. 13th, 2023 at 10, 12 a.m. And I asked the Lord, what would you like to... Sorry, it's the 15th. This is uh, Rick's Alone Time with God um, from Friday, December 15th, 2023 at 3.52 p.m. And I asked, how are you today, Lord? I am doing quite well. And enjoying the process of seeing my eternal plan come together. Many believers who were sleeping are coming to me and are being activated under my spirit. However, I will continue to call many more. This will be a worldwide awakening of my church to the glory and power of the great I am. My remnant, well done. Most of you have adjusted your schedules to put me first. Keep focusing on me and seeking my face with reverence. Come boldly to my throne, but with the understanding of who I am. Apologize, guys, but I did have a more current one. That is the 16th, so I wanted to, wanted to grab that. I've played that before for you guys. Uh, so here is the most recent one. 
This is Rick's Alone Time with God blog on Saturday, December 16th, 2023 at 4.15 p.m. And the title of this word was, Activate My Word Back Into Your Life. So I asked, Lord, please guide me today and let me know what you would like to share with me and your people. He said, I want to speak to my children again. My remnant is coming to attention. However, most of my children are still distracted and not coming to attention. I will continue to shake this world until more of my body wakes up and starts seeking my face. Life will get very difficult if you continue to give me no time and do not show any care for the word of God I gave you. These words are active and living, but not if you never read them. These words can give you peace, love, joy, and all the fruits of the Spirit, but not if the words are not in your heart. My children, can't you see that this is an epic battle between good and evil happening right before your eyes? I am purposely allowing chaos and allowing those who have given themselves up to the evil one to rock this world like never before. This will not get better soon for your life, you and your life, if you do not take refuge in me. How can I be your refuge when you do not read my word? Do not put my word in your heart and don't even pray to me on a consistent basis. Children, awaken. I have given I, your word, I, I gave you my word and the examples of the early church so that you can understand the importance of putting me first. I am not even in the top 10 for most of you. Your world will stop shaking as soon as you seek my face and hold on to my kingdom that can't be shaken. I love my children. I love all my children and many I am calling that are not part of my body yet. Yes, I'm talking to all of you reading or listening to this now who are not spending time with me, who are not reading my word, who are not worshiping me. Now is the time, not tomorrow, not next Sunday, now. I love you, but I cannot show my love and give you protection and guidance without being a true part of your life. I am now asking you to discern the times. I have blessed you with the Holy Spirit to convict you and guide you toward me. Come to the Father who loves you through the Son. My Son gave his life for you, and I know you intellectually are aware of that. However, I need your heart, not just your mind. Many of you have come into my body by being justified and saved, but you are bearing no fruit. How can I continue to keep you safe and feed you from my vine if I'm an almost irrelevant part of your life? This is the time to come to attention. Listen to what I'm saying to you now. Get into my word and read it. Focus on it and seek my face. You will find great comfort in my word and it will once again be living and active in your life. Make my word a key part of your life. Put me first in your life and I will make your path straight. However, if you continue to deprioritize me and not have me first in your life, I will continue to let this shaking shake your life directly until I get your attention. I love you too much to let you 
asleep and fall into the enemy's hands. Fight with me. Fight for your faith, my child. Fight now. It is not that difficult, but it does require you to make a choice. Put me first and learn the path I have for you that will keep you under my protection. Or keep me out of your life and see your life shake like never before. Save yourself from the heartache and suffering. Seek me first today and make a commitment to put me first. Come back to your first love, my child. Come back to me now. I will give you rest. I'll give you hope and a future. All right, um, that was the 16th. I have, I have another one that's the 17th that's posted here as well. Aaron will be on in just a second. And so I'll read a portion of this until Aaron comes on. Um, but this was, uh, again, I will accomplish my purpose he was talking about here, and this is the 17th. Um, and this, uh, I said, what would you like me or your children to hear today, Lord? And he said, know that I am God and that I will have my way. My ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. I know your thoughts and I know your ways. I need you to turn from your wicked ways and understand that the vengeance is mine. This world is giving most of all my children trouble, but I will tell you to take heart as I have overcome the world. Don't you see that you are not of this world? You will have peace if you realize this and just walk closely with me. Worship to better understand my ways and my thoughts. And you guys, that's why we do this um, four nights a week, right? Mondays, Thursdays, as well as Friday and, and, and uh, Sundays when we're really digging in and, and, and worshiping with the beautiful videos, um, worship videos. Then you start to see things from your creator's perspective versus your flesh. This is important as I love my children with an everlasting love and I want you to join me in enjoying this journey as we do things my way. The troubles you have now in this world will be nothing compared to the heavenly home, but I will also want to take heart in trusting me as you are in this world. I will be taking my vengeance and I will be executing my will on those that hate me. However, the timing and expectations you have will be disappointing to you if you are not walking with me. There have been many victories in the last few years that most of my children did not even see. Why? Because they are not walking closely enough with me. I invite you to my thoughts and my ways. Do this by worshiping and praising me with thankfulness in your heart. Read my word for comfort. Put my word in your heart so you will know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no other God was formed, nor will there be any after me. You can trust me as I am omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. My power exceeds the enemy and all his followers by many times. I will accomplish my purpose and still give humans free will. This is the mystery and power and majesty of my ways. You will understand everything that is going on in this world so much better if I am first in your life. The trouble you have in this world will diminish greatly as I give you the peace that transcends all understanding. But you need to stop being anxious. Instead, by prayer and petition, present your request to me with thanksgiving. 
This is when you will receive that peace that transcends all understanding. And I want my children to have that during this time that I judge your enemies and shake everything that can be shaken. So get into my word, put it into your heart, worship me, and then spend time alone with me. That is how you put me first and receive this peace. As you obey what I tell you specifically, you will be walking in your calling. Is that not what you want? To be walking in your calling with me? And by the way, guys, I cut this off when I posted it. So this last part, you probably have not seen, even those who followed this carefully. Um, I cut it off right there. So let me back up. This last paragraph is, is a real, real kind of key thing that most people have not seen yet. As you obey what I tell you specifically, you will be walking in your calling. Is that not what you want? To be walking in your calling with me? Then come to me each day and ask me for the specifics you need to walk the path I have for you. The then your path will be straight as I guide you through these perilous times. Again, do not be anxious. Just come to me and seek my face instead. I will give you gifts because I'm a good, good father. I love you, my dear child. Yes, feel my Holy Spirit around you right now. Pause for a second and feel him. Feel the love of Jesus around you and know that the God of the universe is control is in control and loves you. Know that the God of the universe is in control and loves you. Spend time with me so this peace that you are feeling right now can be consistent. You are feeling the presence of the Lord. Come to me daily and I will be there for you. Seek me and you will find me and you will find your calling and will enjoy the path I guide you on. Great peace you will feel even during the difficult times ahead. Therefore, you have nothing to worry about. I will be with you wherever you go and will commune with you whenever you come to me with prayer and thanksgiving. So come, come every day. Aaron's in the house. All right. Hey, Aaron's in the house. Awesome. So that was a, the, the word from Sunday, December 17th that came to, um, on, that I posted on Rick's Alone Time with God blog. Again, that was all accomplished my purpose. And so um, I'll be posting the other ones from the 18th and 19th here soon. You can find that on neighborhood.social. But we have Aaron in the house. I love this. Um, I know he's a full-time worker and comes, off, comes right home from work and boom, he's, on, he's working again for us, for working for the Lord. Um, you will be able to find him. I think it's Shaw Holmes slash paintings, but I'll confirm that. But you can also just search Aaron Antis paintings, and it's right there. You'll see him. There's 12 different paintings from his father. We've we've gone through quite a few of them, but we'll just kind of do a quick review of that with Aaron and uh, talk a little bit about how these came about. So in case you, this is the first time you've seen this, um, it's a beautiful privilege to have Aaron Antis back on. Aaron, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Rick. Thanks so much for having me on. And yes, sir, running from one thing to another every day. Uh, I was actually just with with Clay Clark over at his place and uh, working on a bunch of projects we're working on and then ran from there over here. So yeah, I'm doing great. 
It is a beautiful time of year getting to just celebrate Jesus. I mean, I'm excited. Yeah, that is that is that is outstanding, and uh, and your dad did such beautiful paintings. Um, obviously, he was a, a wildlife uh, uh, award-winning wildlife painter, and uh, before he was called to do these twelve paintings, so uh, that was pretty special. And pretty special that you were able to get the the prints uh, 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 gathered, right? So, um, you want to give us a quick summary of that for maybe somebody who has not heard that story yet. <laughs> Absolutely. And just so you know, you can go see the paintings at shawhomes.com forward slash paintings, shawhomes.com forward slash paintings. And um, yeah, so my dad was, uh, you know, he he was, he grew up with not a lot of talents. He, he honestly, he would tell you, anybody he ever met, he's like, I'm not a smart man. I don't have a whole lot of talents. But the one thing that my dad could always do is he could paint images. He was great at that. And um, so he became really famous painting wildlife art. He was the National Artist of the Year for Whitetails Unlimited, Ducks Unlimited. Uh, he painted deer and duck stamps for a number of different states all over the country. Um, his his award-winning wildlife art hangs in galleries all over the country. Um, and uh, he was even commissioned by the federal government years and years ago to paint for them uh, for coins and different things that they did. And so, uh, yeah, he was really well known for that. And then, um, like a lot of us, the subject matter of his life changed from wildlife to eternal life. And I know for me, when I got born again, March 6, 1997, I went from the wildlife to eternal life also, right? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was kind of living the wildlife prior to that, not following the Lord, and then he uh, opened my eyes, and praise God for that, and, and turned me. But, um, you know, I uh, my dad painted these paintings on the life of Christ, and, and basically the painting we're going to talk about tonight was one of the two visions that my dad had, open visions, where he actually... Um, had the Lord show him something in such a vivid way, he felt like he was there at the scene uh, when it happened. And one of them was, we were in the uh, church that I grew up in, and there was a service that was going on, and um, we were standing in the lobby, and all of a sudden my dad started having this vision, and he didn't realize it was a vision at first. He thought everybody saw that hand right there that you're showing, Rick, he, everybody, he thought everybody saw the hand of Christ right in front of them because it was really large to him. He said it appeared right in front of him. He could see the, the nail piercing the hand, and he could actually see the blood coming out with each heartbeat, like pulsing out of his hand, running down his hand there um, at the crucifixion. And he kind of freaked out a little bit. I, re I was there with him when it happened. And I remember him kind of freaking out. He thought everybody else saw it. And then he started to realize he was the only one who saw the hand of the crucifixion. We went into the service, and um, over the coming hour or so, each time he closed his eyes, he could see that image, and it kept growing and growing until it became what you see in that full-size painting where he could actually see the entire crucifixion. And so... <laughs> my dad, you know, just like any really obedient believer, he immediately did what the Lord said. 
and two years later painted that painting, <laughs> right? We all are immediately obedient to the Lord and, and two years later do what he told us to do, right? So um, it took him a minute, but he, he did paint that painting. And um, then uh, shortly after that, he had a second vision where um, he was over at some friends of ours that we grew up with, lived like a mile down the street from the house I grew up in. He was over there, they were having a Christmas party and um, they were sitting there singing um, Christmas songs and they were Lutherans, so they had a hymnal and he opens up the hymnal to um, Away in a Manger and in the upper right-hand corner there was this little caricature drawing of Jesus in the manger with Mary and Joseph next to him and um, they were singing Away in a Manger and my dad said as soon as he looked at that little tiny figure drawing of you know, Mary and Joseph in the upper right corner, he said it was like the book in his lap disappeared and like he could see down into the basement of the home and he could see Jesus in the manger and he could see Mary and Joseph and everything you see there in the scene that is the nativity painting. And so it's this second time he realized he was having a vision and so he took out a piece of paper and he started sketching out all the details that became the painting that you see there um, of the nativity, which we're going to talk about tonight. And, um, you know, so then we actually still have, it was an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. We still have that sheet of paper that my dad sketched it out on. Um, so then, you know, he pretty quickly after that, he painted the painting of the nativity. He started on it anyways. It took him a year to paint the painting. Um, each one of these paintings is humongous. The originals are gigantic. That one of the nativity weighs 256 pounds. It's about nine feet wide and about six feet tall or six and a half feet tall. Humongous painting. Um, and so uh, after my dad painted those two visions that he had, he spent some time praying about it and asked the Lord, like, why did you show me this? And he said, the Holy Spirit said to him, I've shown you my son's birth and his death. Now I want you to paint the reason for both. And so my dad actually spent the next, uh, the rest of his life, actually, um, he died shortly after he painted the last of these paintings. but. He painted a series of paintings on the life of Christ. It ended up being 12 of them. Took my dad 12 years to paint those 12 paintings mm -hmm. because they're all enormous. Mm -hmm. um, then after my dad passed away, I was not living real near him. And, you know, the kids are all kind of in different places. And long story short, um, the, we kind of lost track of where these paintings ended up. We lost track of where the prints were until um, a little while ago during the Reawaken America events, the Lord just prompted me to go find them and get them back out and to start sharing the messages in these paintings with people. And so I started making phone calls. Long story short, I eventually got to the church that my parents went to when, they, when my dad was still alive. Um, they were in the prints were in the basement of that church and they were three days away from auctioning all of them off. Wow. And, um, and, and they just needed the space cause they had been there for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so, um, 
as soon as I called them, they're like, they're yours. We'll see. You can take them. We don't, we don't want to auction them. We want them to be in your family. And so I actually, uh, I didn't have anywhere to put them. I was standing there five feet from Clay Clark when this was all going on. So um, I turned to Clay and talked to him about it. And he said, I got space. Bring them here. We'll put them in the Thrive Time uh, World Headquarters here in Tulsa, Jerusalem, as we call it. So, um, so they are in Clay's office. Um, and so we take those prints and um, we just use them to share the gospel. People can hang them on their walls. Um, they're $77 for a print. That money goes towards the kingdom of God. And those $77 prints, um, what's really cool about that is like, if you want to tell the story of Jesus' life, there's so many hidden things inside of these paintings that the Lord put into these paintings that it's amazing. You can share so many amazing gospel truths straight out of these, these images. It's kind of like the same concept of when Jesus was here on earth, he was teaching in parables, right? What is a parable? It's a story that has spiritual truths inside of it that the visual images you get allow you to recall complex spiritual truths from a simple image. And that's what these paintings are. Mm -hmm. So that is in a nutshell, the story behind the paintings. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so let's dig into this one. It's fun. Mm. All right. Well, we're going to dive into, you know, what better image to talk about tonight than the nativity? You know, the birth of Christ. We're only a few days away from what we celebrate as the birth of Christ, right? Um, and so, um, so many cool things in this image. But this was one of the visions that my dad had. And, um, you know, a, a scripture that this one is kind of all based on is Isaiah 7, verse 14. And that is, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, right? And what does Emmanuel mean? It means God with us, right? And here, right here in this image, you see a lot of really incredible um, visual images here. There's a lot of stark contrast in what you see as far as the, the light and the darkness are kind of both there together. Um, I want to give you a little bit of the pictorial, you know, perspective in the image because a lot of the imagery that's here has some, some really powerful stuff inside of it. So um, think about this, you know, you've got this image here and one of the things that any artist or any painter that paints something is going to pay close attention to but my dad didn't actually pay any attention to until he got way into painting this painting is where is the source of light coming from in this image, right? Now, when you look at this, it's like, oh, then you start looking at the image and you go, do I see a torch or a lantern? You know, it's obviously dark outside. It's in the evening, right? So there's no sunlight or moonlight. So what is the source of light in this image? If you can look at it and notice, you'll see that all of the light in the image is coming out from the center of the image. 
because Jesus is the light of the world and in him there's no darkness at all, right? So rather than, there is no lantern, there's no like lamp over there hanging off of one of those posts. There's none of those things. So the only light source is him. He is the light, right? And he is the source of light in our lives too. So that's kind of a cool perspective there when you think about that. Um, and it's really interesting. And I'll, I'll just say one thing and we'll flip over to a different painting real quick and then we'll come back to this one. But years and years after my dad painted this painting, um, we had some people come up to us. They were all, all the paintings were hanging up in an art display in Dallas, in the actually in the Museum of Biblical Arts there in Dallas near the Galleria Mall. And um, they were all hanging there. And this person came over and they pulled they pulled me over and said, can you come over to the day of Pentecost painting? And I was like, okay. So I walked over to the day of Pentecost painting. And he's like, did you ever notice that this painting is almost identical to the nativity? And I was like, I didn't notice that before. And Rick, if you can pull up the day of Pentecost painting so people can kind of see that image there as well. Um, <clears throat> it's really interesting, but the day of Pentecost, right? What is that? That's the day that the Lord gave us the Holy Spirit to come into the world, right? So Jesus was the light of the world, but the light on the inside of us that illuminates everything is the Holy Spirit, right? He's the light that comes to live on the inside of us, you know? And so in the day of Pentecost painting, you see that in the center of the image, the only light source in this painting is also the Holy Spirit. So in, and you also will notice that all of the people in this painting are kind of in a circle surrounding where the Holy Spirit is falling in the center of this image. It's really kind of a cool uh, parallel between them, but something that my dad never intended to paint into those two paintings because normally an artist thinks, oh, where is the light source coming from? What direction is it coming from? And you're really aware of it. But my dad was just, when he did the nativity, he was just painting what he saw in the vision. And he didn't realize until he got partway into the painting, what I saw in the vision was the light source is Jesus himself in the mm -hmm. nativity. Um, so kind of a cool little idea there but something that he didn't really even think about when he painted you know until he got into painting that's painting. awesome isn't that cool yes <laughs> um for my dad the vision of the nativity and if you want to you can go back to that one uh rick but for my dad when he had that vision um he saw all these different animals in there and my dad was a a bible studier i mean he was a scholar of the scripture but he didn't realize a lot of the things that were in there until um, he started really studying what he had seen and what he had sketched out. And so you'll notice a lot of these animals that are in here do have a symbolism to them of what they are all about. So um, let me show you a couple of them and hang on one second. I'm gonna pull this up so I can see all of it myself at the same time. Give me one second here. Uh, 
Mm, I'm going to go no. to this other view real quick and change it over to the Brave browser, so just give me a second. Okay, no problem. So um, I'm going to name a couple of the animals that are in here. There you go. Up in the upper left-hand corner, you can see the bullock. So that is the bullock. In the upper right-hand corner, you can see the red heifer. Mm -hmm. To the um, Just to the right of the bullock, which is the light-colored cow that's in the back left corner, on the little railing that's right there, you'd probably have to zoom in to see it, but there's a couple of rock pigeons that are there. Mm -hmm. And then, right. yep, yep, in that upper left, you got it. And then just below the rock pigeons, you can see the kids who are holding the newborn lambs, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then just down and to the left of those newborn lambs, you can see a man who's straight to the left of Mary there, who's holding a Nubian goat over the back of his uh, of his head. He's kind of like got it over his shoulders there. Mm -hmm. So there's all these animals that are here, right? And why did all these animals come together in this scene that my dad painted? Well, I don't know, but that's what the Lord showed him. And then as he started studying, he started realizing all of these things and what the correlation was to all of these animals. Each and every one of these animals is one of the sacrificial animals from the sacrificial system. Well, what does it say about Jesus? It said, you know, the word says that Jesus came that he might destroy the works of the devil. Well, what are the works of the devil? To bring sin into your life so that you have to go and, you know, get that sin paid for, right? We have to go and get it paid for, but Jesus came that he might destroy the works of the devil. Well, here in this image, you see all of the works of the devil of that sacrificial system are being replaced by one, right? Who is laying there in the manger. He's the replacement for all of that. And so here he comes to destroy this system. You got to think about the Jewish people as they're walking through, you know, experiencing this, you know, their, this life that they have every day, every week, every month, every season, there is a sacrificial, you know, ex experience that they're going through where they're either bringing their lambs to be slaughtered at the Passover or, you know, the poor bring their rock pigeons. That's what the rock pigeons were for. That was the inexpensive sacrifice that they could come and bring. And then you have the Day of Atonement, right? That you have the red heifer for the Day of Atonement is brought in once a year to be slaughtered for the sins of the whole people of Israel. In all of this system, this sacrificial system is coming to an end at this very moment as the one-time sacrifice is sitting there in front of them. And it's just really kind of a cool moment to think about what's happening there. We don't think about it on the daily basis and on the weekly and monthly and seasonal basis that they did, but this sacrifice is that one-time sacrifice for all of them. It's kind of a neat moment to see that happening. You know, the Nubian goats that are on the shoulders of the one man 
that was part of that sacrificial system where um, what the high priest would do is on the Day of Atonement, he would take the Nubian goats and he would take um, some of them and he would lay his hands on them and pronounce the sins of Israel over the Nubian goat. And then one of the other priests would take them out into the wilderness three days journey and leave the goat out in the wilderness scapegoat well what (laughs) yeah the scapegoat that's where we get the scapegoat from exactly and that is such a wonderful symbol of you know what's happening here is all these sacrificial animals are gathered all around at this moment now there's an interesting thing here going on too with um mary and joseph now (coughs) at that time um you know, the color purple would not have been worn by anyone that wasn't very wealthy. In fact, it was so expensive to get purple dye to put into clothing that really only royalty wore purple at that time. Well, Mary and Joseph were not wealthy, but you know what they were? They were royalty. And my dad didn't know this. He, he just drew what he had seen. He painted what he had seen in the vision, made them in purple. And as he started doing the research, he found out this would have been very biblically or like um, historically inaccurate for them to be wearing purple garments. So my dad, when he, he painted it, he was like, he kind of sat down one day and he was like, Lord, you, you showed this to me wrong. And he said, as soon as he said that, the Holy Spirit said to him, no, no, this is the royal family. I promise you, this is the royal family, my royal family of Mary and Joseph, the mother of Jesus. And so he said, I wanted you to paint them in purple because I want you to tell them that this is the only royal family there is. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) So... I know we've got lots of royal families all over the world that people recognize, but this is the only one that God recognizes. Amen. And so um, kind of a cool little uh, thing that ended up being a, one of those little things in the painting that my dad just, you know, didn't really think about it. He just put it in there and then later kind of found out um, that it, it really made sense, right? <coughs> um all right, a couple other things here. Let me um, get to my notes here. I was telling you a lot of that stuff off of the top of my head there from having looked at it so many times. Um, so um, one thing that a lot of people uh, wonder about when they see this painting, they go, you know, they used to say to my dad, you know, you painted this historically inaccurate. You know, and my dad was like, well, how did I, how did I do that? And they're like, well... You know, you don't have the wise men here. It's like, okay, that's interesting. Did anybody ever wonder about that? Like, you see these nativity scenes sometimes, and you see the wise men there with baby Jesus, right? Those are actually the paintings that are historically inaccurate. Um, There is so much that we could dive into here about what was happening with 
the star, right? We know about the star over Bethlehem. We, we've read the story in Matthew. We've read about, you know, that they were following that star to come and find him, right? And Herod then started looking for them and looking for him and, and wanted to kill him, right? So it's very interesting, but this star would not have appeared over Jesus at exactly the moment that he was born. In fact, these men who came, um, you can follow this all the way back actually to the book of Daniel, if you want to. Um, a lot of people don't realize, but Daniel was one of those that the Lord used to show him things in the stars, right? He used to see things in the stars. And a lot of the people that were following along in the line uh, of Daniel became some of the people who followed stars. And we think that probably these wise men who came to follow what's called a helical or a heliacal rising is this lineup of these stars that came into alignment that the, the wise men followed probably were people who came from where Daniel came from and would have been um, people that that traveled from afar but would have come from the area where Daniel was. Um, and so uh, they uh, these people probably Parthenians from around the area of, area of Babylon, which is located about 600 miles directly east of Bethlehem, um, just from a geography standpoint. These men who studied the stars and studied the planets, um, there was a lot of stuff out there at that time about this heliacal rising that they were following. Um, you know, we have to understand that as these people were looking at this, at that period of time, people worshipped stars. They worshipped planets. Like a lot of the, the uh, idol worshippers, that was what they were looking to. You know, if you think about it this way, in modern times, right, if we want to make sure everybody knows something that's going on, let me back up to kind of modern times and say you'd want to put up a billboard in in Times Square, right? <laughs> that would be that would get a lot of people's attention, wouldn't it? You know, millions of people go to Times Square. I've been down there to Times Square before. Scary place, honestly, but I've been down there to Times Square. But if you put something on the huge billboards in Times Square, everybody's going to hear about it. Well, what was God doing? He was putting up, quote unquote, a billboard in Times Square. Everybody's paying attention to the stars and the planets. Think about how they navigated during those days. Um, they, they navigate by looking up at the stars. They navigate over the oceans and over the seas by the stars and the planets. So everybody is always, every day, think about Abraham. What did God tell him? He said, look up at the stars, right? That's how you'll know your descendants are going to be like as numerous as the stars. So if God wanted to put up a billboard to, the, to announce the coming of his son, what better way to do it than to put the king's star which actually we know from going back in in history was actually the planet Jupiter was the star one of the stars that was rising at that moment that they thought was a star but it was actually the planet Jupiter the planet 
Saturn was called the Messiah's star. And the astronomers had kind of divided up the heavens into a whole bunch of different sections. We call it today the zodiac symbols, right? The 12 sections. Um, <coughs> but this back then was called the house of the Hebrews. That was how they kind of looked at all of these stars. Um, in these 12 different sections, they thought about it as the 12 tribes, right? So we, we kind of have twisted it into something that doesn't make sense today. But back then they called it the house of Hebrews. Um, and that was kind of how they looked at it. Um, the, the section of the Zodiac that, that we call Pisces, I should say, is called the house of the Hebrews. But the reason they called it that is because it was a fish. And uh, so there's a lot of symbolism here that goes on through scripture, which I won't dive too deep down into studying stars. Um, but there is, because uh, we could go off in a weird direction with it too. But um, anyways, as they're following all of these things, they're trying to find this, you know, this spot where it all lines up and they come to the place where Jesus is. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, it says, For we have seen his star in the east, which was the heliacal rising, and we are come to worship him. Uh, interestingly, like we can go back to the song, right? Um, o, o little town of Bethlehem. Everybody's probably hopefully sang that here recently, right? If you're listening to your Christmas songs uh, during this season, you know, and it's, O morning stars together proclaim thy royal birth is one of the, the stanzas there in in that song and that's just referring to those heliacal risings so it's been written into kind of the history and the songs over the years but at the time of the year that this heliacal rising occurred it wouldn't have been prudent for the wise men to travel to israel the long hot summer was just beginning and they couldn't have been you know tra traveled across the desert at that time of year without it being perilous for them to do that. The actual amount of travel time it would have taken for them would have been approximately two months for them to reach Israel from where they came from and to go across the desert in the summer in two months during the summer, that would have been a deadly adventure for them to take. They undoubtedly would have waited until October when the heat of the summer uh, season had gone for them to be able to make that trip. And because of their own like preeminence as being considered kings or light kings themselves, their entourage of people actually would have been maybe three to 500 people that would have traveled with them, consisting of their servants and their soldiers and all the people that would have been protecting them. So. The, the last point in this nativity story um, is that they no doubt arrived somewhere in Bethlehem on December, in the, uh, on December the 1st of that very same year. So Jesus would have been approximately like eight and a half years of age because we know that Jesus was born when the lambs were born, um, which would have been much earlier that year. And so the time of the birthing of the lambs was, you know, March and April. And so 
probably these guys would have shown up somewhere in in December, right around the first of December. So Jesus actually wouldn't have been in a manger at that point. He would have been eight and a half months old. And um, that's why there's no wise men in this painting. And so all of these things were things my dad like painted it. And then he's like, well, I wonder why there were no wise men, you know, um, why we three kings of Orient weren't in the painting. And so uh, kind of some interesting background as my dad continued to, dis to study all of the stuff that we kind of know, because you can go back and study stars and you know exactly when this heliacal rising happened. It actually happened in what we consider the year 6 BC. Um, and that's when uh, there was a conjunction of the planets that I mentioned, you know, that those lined up in that year. And we can go back in, in history and know that just from astronomy that we know. Um, so kind of interesting how all those happen, all those things happened. Um, I'll, I'll read uh, Matthew 2, verse 9 and 10. It says, And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And that was that moment that they just decided, hey, I'm going to go follow this star. Um, the wise men had made the assumption that Jews, and especially Herod the king, had the knowledge of this heliacal rising and that it had occurred like eight months prior to their arrival and that they already knew that the Messiah had been born. And this is what really prompted Herod um, to have all the infant boys in the area around Bethlehem under the age of two killed. I mean, because if you think about this, if it had just happened, right, then he would have been like, oh, we'll kill all of the you know, babies that are brand new. But no, he said two years because he wanted to make sure that he caught all of that span. So by the time the, the you know, the three kings supposedly showed up, the wise men showed up, he needed to have two and under killed to make sure that he covered all of that time span. So, <coughs> and, and we know that that event was fulfilled by the prophecy of Jeremiah that's in chapter 31, verse 15, where it says, Thus saith the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rahel weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. And so that was sort of that moment there um, that we know of from Jeremiah. Um, so anyways, uh, couple other things here um, just going back to let me go back to first John which I quoted first John chapter 3 verse 8 and let me actually read it to you this time it says for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil so you know we we see this nativity painting we see when Jesus is born what was the purpose Right? It was to destroy the works of the devil. Simply defined, Jesus came to reclaim and to redeem what Adam, the first son of God, had lost. We must remember that there, that there is a unique distinction about these two men. Adam, the first Adam, and Adam, the second Adam. Right, The two sons of God. Right? <laughs> this is a unique distinction between 
these two men. They're the only two men were whose father was the same, right? <laughs> Who have ever been born here? One of them without a belly button, <laughs> right? And one of them with a belly button. Mm -hmm. So the first Adam and the second Adam. This is a uniqueness that only those two share. And in the beginning, when Adam, the first son of God, was created, he was made in the image and likeness of God. A three-part being consisting of spirit, soul, and body. He was the crowning glory of God's creation. Then God gave his son, the first man, Adam, dominion and lordship over the entire creation of the world, right? I mean, we, we know this from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, when God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and every creeping thing that creeps upon the face of the earth. Then he told him, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, fowl of the air and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth, right? Including the creeps. <laughs> so he gave us dominion over all of it, right? So if you got a creep that's bothering you, that's a word for you tonight. You have dominion over the creeps. But God did that. And then in Psalm chapter 8, verse 3 through 6, one of my favorite uh, Bible verses, it says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? and the son of man that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Well, all of that is true until that old devil, the serpent in the garden, right? Tricked Adam and Eve, right? Eve, then Adam. And... Um, made us give up that dominion to him, right? We gave up that dominion in the garden. And then that's why Jesus had to go through the temptation, you know? It wouldn't be a temptation if Jesus didn't stand there in the wilderness in, that we could read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, right? Luke chapter 4, verse 6 is one of them where it says that, that the devil took Jesus up to a high mountain and showed him all the kings of kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will, I give it. How could that be a temptation for Jesus unless it's true that he had dominion, that the devil had dominion over those things and he had those kingdoms here on earth, right? So... Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. The second Adam came to take back that dominion for mankind. So Adam delivered it to him. Jesus comes to take it back. But you remember he stood there and, you know, in the Garden of Eden, that first Adam stood there and it says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest of it, you'll surely die. And then he screwed that up, right? And then God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden because why? Because he said, I don't want you to eat from the tree of life and live forever in this fallen state, right? Well, now let's fast forward. This one that was born in this nativity painting, where did he go to hang, right? 
He went to hang on another tree. There's two trees that are so important. One in the story of Adam, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The second one was the tree that Jesus hung on, the tree of life, the one that God kicked him out of the Garden of Eden because he didn't want him to eat from that tree and be stuck in that state of fallen state, fallen away from God, where our spirit can't talk to God, who is a spirit, and we must worship him in spirit and truth. And he didn't want us to live forever in that fallen state. And then Jesus goes and hangs on that tree. And, you know, it's it's really an amazing thing how God brings this symbolism in and out of Scripture and just shows us to keep our eyes on a different tree, right? He said, keep your eyes off the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but now look unto this other tree, which is where your salvation comes from, right? And then Jesus goes and hangs on that tree, and it says, cursed is any man who hangs on a tree. But the gift of God, which is eternal life, comes through that tree. And so, um, you know, uh, I think it's really interesting when we look at kind of this symbolism through scripture. But let me go to another symbol here for a minute. <coughs> so let me go to, um, uh, let me see here. Let me go to some of these other symbols. Let me jump through the book of Genesis in chapter one. It says, and God said, let there be light, right? What do we see in the nativity painting? And God said, let there be light. He's the light of the world, right? And it, God said, let there be an expanse, right? Well, you look at where this source of light is in this nativity painting, and everything is separated away from that expanse. But look at all of the people in that painting. They're in a circle around the center of the painting. They're all gathered in a circle. Interestingly, the Pentecost painting we looked at earlier was the same. They're all in a circle around it. For I am the light of the world, and in him there's no darkness at all. But everything in this world rotates around that light that's in the center, right? Everything in our world rotates around that light. It's really interesting. There's only two gaps in this circle of people in the nativity. At the very back, there's a little gap there where there's kind of like almost like a gate opening for wide is the path that leads to destruction. So on the other side there, there's that symbol of that wide gate that leads to destruction. But he's the narrow gate and he's right in front of it. And then the other gap in the group of people in this painting is right in the front, in the center there. There's a little opening there in between those people. And my dad, after he painted it, he was he had that painting hanging up on the wall and these people were coming to see the painting and they, oh, there was a whole bunch of people at this art display that day. And I had person after person walk up to me and say the same thing. They said, I really love that there's an opening there for me to be able to walk up and approach the king. I can walk up to the cool. light of the world and receive what he has for me too. 
And I was like, man, that is so cool. We can walk right up to the King of Kings. We can walk right up to the light of the world. We can walk right up to that baby Jesus right there. And we can receive what he has for us. He's laying in a manger. What's a manger? A manger is a place that's there for animals to eat out of, right? It's like the word of God is food for us. It is the bread of life that we eat. There's so many incredible parts of scripture that have so much symbolism that just comes around and around over and over and over again. So I just love so much of the symbolism in this painting. Um, let me jump down here uh, for time's sake. I could talk about this painting for like three hours. So I'm going to skip past a little bit, bit of this here. Um, hang on one second. I've got another part here I want to share with you. Um, okay. So we talked about this idea of, um, you know, just the fact that uh, the first Adam came and he had dominion. He was given dominion by God the Father. And then he handed over that dominion to the enemy. And then the second Adam came and took that dominion back and he gave us dominion again. He handed it back to us, right? But in a state where we can have eternal life. But I want to talk about how we go about having dominion. First of all, in Genesis 1, how did God create things? Right? How did he create? He spoke. He did it through his word. The same way God created at the beginning is the same way that God creates and has dominion today. Of all of the creatures that God created, only one of them speaks right? Only one of them has the power to create words. Only one of them has the words that create power. Both of those statements are true. I'll say that again in case you didn't catch that. Only one of the creations of God has the power to create words. Only one of them has the words that create power. Dominion comes through the spoken word of God. In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. In the beginning, God said, let us create, you know, a greater light and a lesser light, right? He said everything, he spoke it into existence. So the interesting thing is the, the devil came without a legal entry into this world and took dominion. But he's never been able to speak in this world unless he can get somebody to speak for him. The devil cannot speak words in this earthly realm. So we come back to this idea. In John chapter 10, verse 2, it says, But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Right? But in John 10, there was a thief that came in to steal and to kill and to destroy. So who is the unquestioned shepherd of the sheep here that we're talking about? In John chapter 10, it's Jesus himself, isn't it? Who now has entered the earth 
the sheepfold and has entered through the legal way in this scene that you see here in the nativity. It's Jesus, right? He enters in through the sheepfold the legal way. Here he is doing the reverse of what the serpent did in the garden where he snuck in as a thief, the subtle one, and snuck in the illegal way. Here God is reversing that and Jesus is entering in the legal way. The living word of God is literally entering in through the sheepfold. The second and last Adam, the man who's going to be without sin, just like the first Adam was in the beginning, it's now being reversed and he's, he's entering in through the sheepfold. Why is he doing that? So that he can have a voice to be able to voice God's word into this earth, the words of power, to declare and have dominion and to create in this world again. So Isaiah 14 verse 13 says, For thou, that's the devil, has said in thine heart, Notice he didn't say it with his mouth, okay? I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. He said all of these things in his heart, and it's why Lucifer was thrown out of heaven. But he wanted to speak so bad to declare the things of God. But guess whose job that is, you guys? Who? Guess who gets the privilege and the honor of that in today? It's you. It's me. But we get to do it the legal way because we're the ones that he cleansed us of our sins. He separated them as far as the east is from the west. He made us like Adam was in the garden before the fall, and he gave us the ability to speak his word into this kingdom that he created, to have dominion over this earth that he created. We are able to speak faith-filled words and watch the world be changed in front of us. The devil knew the power behind that, and he tried so hard to grasp a hold of that. You know, in James chapter 3, verse 6, it says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. You know, so the tongue is, uh, so is the tongue among our members that it defileth. It means to make it morally foul. The whole body and set on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 15.4 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. And you get to be that wholesome tongue, which is the tree of life that was the one in the garden, right? That he said, I can't let you eat from this one because you weren't born again yet. But guess who you are? You're the born again ones. You're the one whose spirit is alive to God. You're the one who can be led by the Spirit of God. You can speak the word of God, and you can take back dominion from the devil over everything he was doing. Because what did I say about this whole painting in the beginning is that Jesus was born that he might destroy the works of the devil. 
destroy because he had a solution from the beginning God did he knew the end from the beginning he had the solution from the beginning and in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and then the Spirit of God came from heaven and dwelt inside of us right and now we speak the Word of God spilled filled with the Spirit of God into the kingdom of God which has come to this earth you guys this is an amazing time to be alive this is an amazing thing to be able to do to be God's advocates to be the people that he put on this earth for such a time as this to wrap up these end time events that are carrying out to be armed with the sword of the spirit which is the word of God to go into battle to tear down the strongholds to tear down the devil's kingdom that he's been trying to set up for all these years and in such a short period of time we're going to undo thousands of years of him trying to set up his kingdom on this earth we get to be the people who get to be a part of doing that to set up the return of the king because he is coming soon and he is going to be a conquering king when he returns can i get an amen amen <laughs> so that's what the nativity is all about <laughs> i love it unmute uh, backstagers and say amen <laughs> Amen. 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 Right. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Mm -hmm. So, so thank, thank you, Aaron, so much. So, talk a little bit about um, the, um, the 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 amount of time that you put to prepare all this stuff for for this painting. It sounds like you have the three hour version as well. But uh, how how did I, I actually have twenty seven pages of notes oh, on this right. painting. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get to all of them tonight. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Uh -huh. uh, well, I can just tell you love the Word of God, and that's uh, one thing that was exciting um, to, to, to see you kind of ended there on this whole, it almost kind of goes right into where the Reawaken Tour is when what, what Clay's story is. Would you mind just talking quickly about Clay's transformation over the last couple of years and what you're doing now oh, yeah. and how people can get involved? It's it's so amazing. Yeah, if you want to go to timetofreeamerica.com, timetofreeamerica.com, that's our website for the Reawaken America Tour. And um, man, I'll tell you what, I met Clay in 2016. Um, and it was a different man than you know if you know Clay today. <laughs> we see Clay today and... Uh, excuse me, coughing a little bit there. We see Clay today, and um, I'll tell you what, he's got, I feel like he's got half the Bible memorized. He can quote a lot of scripture right off the top of his head. He knows the Word of God very, very well. Um, he is on a mission for God to reawaken America. And, you know, we are going from city to city. We just got back from Tulare, California, and um, that's where we were this last week. In fact, I was with Gus there, and... Um, with Amanda Grace and just a whole bunch of great patriots, Eric Trump. Um, and you me. Know, we had, yeah, you were there. All right, awesome. <laughs> and uh, we're going in June, we're going to go to um, Detroit, Michigan. Actually, it's to a, a friend of mine is the pastor of the church where we're going to go at uh, Grace Church, Grace Fellowship Church there in Detroit, Michigan. 
And uh, this is going to be the biggest event we've done to date. Um, this thing is going to be off the hook. Um, we are actually, Clay and I were talking about this this afternoon, actually right before I drove home to come be on with you guys. Clay and I were chatting about this, and we have got, we are pulling all of the stops out on this one. We are doing, throwing everything and the kitchen sink at this event. It is going to be something to come to. If you have not been to a Reawaken America tour yet, you have got to come to the one in June in Detroit, Michigan. Um, it is going to be amazing. And um, the pastor of this church is a huge patriot. He is 100% on our team, loves God, loves our country. Um, he is a Trump supporting pastor. Um, he is an awesome guy. And uh, anyways, we're going to have that event. But when I met Clay in 2016, it was funny because he became my business coach for Shaw Homes. Um, and I sat down with him the first day and I just, I felt really impressed by the Lord that the Lord told me, Aaron, you need to help this man find the call of God in his life. And he doesn't even know there's a thing as such as a call of God on your life. <laughs> Makes sense. And I went, okay, I have never had the Lord tell me um, to help somebody find the call of God on their life mm -hmm. before, like specifically, like really speak it strongly to my heart like he did with Clay. And it was right as I first met him. And so, um, you know, I, I like brought up a scripture or quoted a scripture during our meeting and Clay cut me off. I was literally mid-sentence quoting this scripture, and he interrupted me and cut me off. And he said, Aaron, I'm just going to tell you right now, there are two things you will never talk about in any of our meetings. One of them is we're never going to talk about God, and the other is we're never going to talk about politics. So don't ever bring them up, or I'll kick you out of my office. And then I think he actually even cussed at me about it. And I was like, okay. Now, fast forward to today, and Rick, as you well know, yeah. what are the two things Clay only talks about? <laughs> That's right. Politics. God and <laughs> politics. <laughs> and when I met him, he told me, if you talk about these two things, I'm going to kick you out of my office. Is that not hilarious? You know, if you want to hear God laugh, just tell him what your plans are. <laughs> or tell him what you're not going to do, right? If you want to hear God laugh, just tell him what you're not going to do. So Clay told me all of this, and uh, he says, we're not going to talk about those two things. So over the next couple of months, we kind of started getting to know each other. And every once in a while, I'd quote a scripture. He'd cut me off mid-sentence. Mid we're not talking about that, Aaron. Don't make me throw you out of my office. And uh, finally, <coughs> I said, Clay, you know, God told me I'm supposed to help you find the call of God on your life. And he goes, Aaron, don't talk to me about that stuff. He said, fine, you feel like God's supposed to do that. I'm going to help you figure out that, you know, there is no God. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So we kind of like battled with each other over this concept. And it sort of became a little bit of an inside joke with us over time. And then all of a sudden we get to um, 2020 and COVID happens. And I'm driving down the road one day and I'm driving in my truck and the Lord said to me, not in an audible voice, just like he does, you know, he talks to you on the inside. I heard the voice of God say, Aaron, you remember that book, The Believer's Authority by Kenneth Hagin? 
And I said, yeah. And he said, you need to get that book out and you need to read it like your life depends on it. And then you need to tell as many people as you possibly can exactly what I just said. That they need to read this book like their life depends on it. And he said, because for many of them, it's going to. And I went, whoa. So I took that. It was a really heavy moment for me. And so I went and I got the book. And I got, I actually got a whole bunch of copies of it. Went home and I read it the, the next day. It's not a very long read. You can read it in a single setting if you read fast. Um, and I read the book and I went, wow, I needed to hear that again. With everything that was starting to happen with COVID, I was like, man, I needed to read this again. And then I took the very first copy of it that I, of the copies I was going to give out, I took it to Clay and I handed the book to Clay and I told him exactly what the Lord told me. And he goes, Aaron, at this point, we had known each other for about four years and we had a good relationship, working relationship. Mm -hmm. And I told him what the Lord said. And he said, Aaron, because you feel so certain about this and, and, you know, I really trust you. He said, I'll read the book. So that was on a Thursday. I didn't see him for a couple days. And then I walked in and saw him a couple days later. And actually, Vanessa, his wife, walked up to me. And she goes, Aaron, what have you done to my husband? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And she goes, I, I don't even recognize my husband. I don't know what you did to him. That book, that book you gave him. And I was like, oh, really? And then a couple seconds later, like Clay comes running from across the other side of the room. He's like, Aaron, Aaron. And he comes running over to me and he's got the book in his hand, the Believer's Authority book in his hand. And when I see it, if, you, if you've been around Clay or you've ever been to Clay's office, you got to see this. When Clay obsesses on something like a book, he'll have all the little sticky tabs in like every page in the book, like yeah. color coded. <laughs> and he'll have drawn all over it and written and underlined and made notes all over it. It looked like the man had been studying this book for 30 years, the way this book looked. It was crazy, Rick. He had so many little like tabs in it and notes in it, like every page in the whole book. And it actually was, um, it was kind of looked like it had gotten really wet. <laughs> and I was like, so I'm like, I'm thinking, what happened to this book? And, and, uh, and he goes, Aaron, this book. He goes, previously, Napoleon Hill's book was my favorite Hill, or favorite book. And he said, which was Think and Grow Rich. That was his favorite right, book up right, till that right. point. And he said, this is now my favorite book I've ever read. There are so many good things in this book. And he's showing me and he's like excited, like telling me about stuff. And I said, what happened with the book? And he goes, oh, the day after you gave it to me, I got in the hot tub and I was reading this book. And he goes, I did drop it in the hot tub, but I just kept reading. <laughs> so that was why it got all wet. <laughs> and, uh, and so the book, like he just obsessed on it. Well, from that moment forward, he just was a different person. He just started changing. He gave his life back to the Lord. Mm -hmm. He told the Lord, I want to carry out your plan. I don't know what it means to ha you know, have a, a call on my life, but I want to know what the call is. Because the whole book is really about Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, but specifically about Ephesians 1, 17 through 21, which is the prayer about knowing what the call of God is on your life. I mean, that really is what that prayer is about.
And so um, I'll say this, fast forward to a couple years later, and right after Clay and I started the Reawaken America events, which we launched the first one together, ironically in the church that Kenneth Hagin, the writer of that book, helped start, that's the church where the first event was, um, which happens to be right across the street from the Shaw Holmes main office. So a lot of interesting parts to this story, but um, we launched the first one in there and shortly after that, it was my wife's birthday um, and Clay came over to our house for my wife's birthday and we, there were a lot of people at my house that night and um, Clay, as, as um, he likes to, kind of snuck in quietly and he came in and, and I was kind of near the front door when he came in and he said, hey, can we go upstairs and, and talk for a minute? or somewhere where it's quiet, just you and me and talk. And I was like, yeah. So I took him upstairs to this one room and uh, sat down with him. And I said, what is it? And he said, you know that verse where it says, it talks about the hope of his calling? And I said, yeah. And he said, I figured out what it is. And I was like, oh, yeah. Well, what is it? And he said, I know the call of God for my life from this point forward is I need to reawaken America by leading people back to Jesus and knowing who he is as their Lord and their Savior. And that is the only thing I'm going to work on from this point forward until I'm gone from this earth. And I said, that is awesome, Clay. He said, I just got to tell as many people about Jesus as I possibly can. And so that's kind of been why Clay is so I mean, you talk about a man set on fire to do something. I mean, that is Clay Clark with the Reawaken America Tour. And I remember at one of our events in San Antonio, Rick, I was standing there backstage. And, of course, I'm always, like, right there next to Clay because I'm bringing the speakers on the stage. And we've got our computer screen set up there on the stage. And I was looking at the live stream. <laughs> and on the map of the whole world, it shows little map pins from where, ever, where, where anybody is watching the live stream from. Mm -hmm. There were 7 million people watching wow. from all over the world. And literally like all of North America, all of South America, all of Europe, all over in Asia, parts of Africa... I mean, people from all over the globe were watching the Reawaken America tour. And this was at the very moment, I remember it was Pastor Brian Gibson was giving a message and asking people to receive Christ at that moment. And inside of the building where we were sitting, like probably, I guessed 55, 60% of the people raised their hand to receive Christ <laughs> that day. And at the same time, I'm looking at the live stream and there's 7 million people watching at that moment. Wow. And I was like, here is the power of a man finding the call of God on his life and following after it with everything he has inside of him. And that has been so exciting to watch happen. So that's that's the story. I mean, that's that's where it's it started and it has not ended yet. I don't think it's going to for quite a while. So... Until he comes back. That's awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that story. That, that's just beautiful. You bet. Yeah. We, Absolutely. We, yeah. We, we are going to go to um, the backstage. Those of you who want to have a backstage pass, you can get that, by the way. Just go to blessedteach.com, go to the backstage, and there'll be a, Gus is going to be leading a little bit later, I believe. 
I know he's just got returned from the reawakened tour as well with Amanda. Um, but uh, you guys can uh, participate in that Bible study that, that uh, at least he or somebody else in the backstage will be will be given. But thank you so much, Aaron. Um, it's just so awesome to see uh, your love of, 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 the, of the gospel and to see Clay completely change, right? I got to experience a lot of that, just seeing this man that everybody was calling Illuminati and all these things. And so I went and started doing my research. And it's, it's almost like the Paul versus Saul thing, right? You just don't judge somebody for the way they were before because we've all had that conversion experience. And he really went through that, at least dedicating his life completely to Christ after reading the book, The Believer's Authority. So judging yeah. him for some pictures where he's going like this or something like that, you know, um, from years ago is, is silly, right? Because you can just tell yeah, that he yeah. is on fire for the Lord right now. <laughs> it's no, no question about that. Yes, he yeah. is. Yes, he is. He is an illuminator, not an Illuminati. (laughs) I like that. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, we we can't let the the enemy steal all our uh, every everything. Like when I say okay, that doesn't mean I'm doing the six six six. Just you know, I can let me do stuff with my hands, please. Right. So (laughs) (laughs) right. Um, Trump does exactly. that as well, right? When he's making a point or something, does not mean he's doing a six 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 sign. Uh, we need to we need to make sure uh, we don't go overboard on this stuff. Uh, but, yeah, not everything's a symbol, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the, but but let me. We'd like to just pray for you real quick to, as we as we go out. Um, I know there's some backstagers that have our great great prayer warriors as well. If anybody wants to pray for Aaron, just raise your hand, or uh, and I'll do that as well. But um, is there anything specific for you? I know, you know for for the Aaron Aaron Antis. What does what what can we pray yeah. for you for? Well, uh, Rick, I definitely appreciate your guys' prayers, all of you. Um, but yeah, right now I'm just uh, getting past this uh, congestion. You can hear me coughing a little bit. I've been uh, feeling a little bit uh, down that way. I'm, I'm getting better now, but I'm um, getting stronger day by day. But um, so for just my continued good health. And then um, right now uh, there is a lot of transition happening in my professional career. And um, <laughs> I believe God is uh, taking this thing to a level beyond anything that I ever anticipated. Um, Incredibly good things happening, nothing that's bad, all good. Um, But I need, um, this has been really my prayer lately. And uh, man, a lot of you could probably write this down and make this your prayer for your own life, but I'd love your prayers to help me continue to pray this out is, um, you know, I'm in that sort of Garden of Gethsemane time in my life mm-hmm. where I just want to completely lay down my will mm-hmm. and only do his will. Mm-hmm. Because the you know, the Holy Spirit told me the other day, he said, he said, Aaron, the greatest threat to the plan of God for your life is not the devil. It's your plan. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, it really struck me. That's the greatest threat to the plan of God for your life is your own plan. And so I just want to lay that plan down. I don't want that. I've been trying to figure things out and figure things out. Like, what am I supposed to do in my business? And the Holy Spirit said, Aaron, quit trying to figure it out and instead pray it out. Hmm. Because I hold your future you don't know what it is and you can't figure it out Mm -hmm. but you can pray it out so that's just really where i'm at in my life right now i just want to lay down my plans and only do his plans right now for my business career in, in that area 
So I love that. I love that. Well, uh, let me lift this up. If anybody else uh, backstage would like to do that as well, let me know. Um, but um, Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for Aaron and his uh, knowledge of the Scripture and his passion for the Scripture and his um, obedience to let Clay um, know about what he was told and that you eventually got him to actually understand his calling, Lord. So thank you for that. Thank you for Aaron understanding his calling. Thank you for for um, Clay knowing his calling. And thank you for them just submitting to you. I pray all the time, Lord, for all the Lord's people that you'll, you'll yoke us. You'll allow us to choose your way and not our way, Lord. So I ask right now by the power of Jesus' name, that, the, that, that by the blood that he shed for us, by the power of that blood and the power of the name above all names, Jesus, Lord, that you will bind the rulers and authorities, the powers of this dark world that are trying to keep us off our path, especially Aaron and his path. Lord, and we loose angels of all ranks and divisions to help us stay on that path. And Lord, as we just submit completely to you, all our ways, we acknowledge you in everything. And we don't lean on our understanding so we don't limit you in any way. And we just trust you to yoke us completely, guide us day by day, Lord. And Lord, I just pray specifically for Aaron that uh, that, that this submission that you that he's given you will, will you will reward him for that. We are the clay; you are the potter, Lord. Do we, we we talk about our calling, but sometimes it is a matter of a day by day submission to you. So day by day, Lord, allow each of us to understand exactly what you want us to do that specific day to just be in your will as we just let you guide us. We get our plans out of the way, and we choose your way which is allowing you to yoke us so submit as clay allow you to be the potter that you want to be and let and we are vessels lord just flow through us we submit to you flow through us use us in any way you'd like and by the mighty name of jesus we're going to see that happen in this time thank you for allowing us to be alive at this time so as aaron was talking about we can see exactly the fall of this evil uh, what, what, what I think Aaron called the Satan's dominion that he's created. And uh, it's going to fall so quickly right before our eyes, Lord. And use us uh, to be the vessels that you need us to be right now as your remnant. We love you. And we say these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Got a couple other prayer warriors, if you don't mind. Yes. Um, go amen. ahead and Thank you for and that Chris. so far, Rick. Thank you. <laughs> and we'll <laughs> wrap it up. Go ahead, uh, uh, um, go, go ahead um, Annette, and then Chris, and we'll wrap it up. Yes. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, wonderful uh, person, Aaron. He is such a great man uh, uh, of you, God. And uh, we, we just want to bless him, bless him, open the, the heavens uh, door window over him and his family and his wife and just pour out your blessings over them, Father God, and everything in their lives, what they need, Father, you will supply for them. And, uh, and also let no weapon formed against them prosper father god as it says in your word and uh, whatever they ask in your name jesus you will give them in your name and this is such a powerful message that that he brought tonight so we are so thankful father god for this man and for his father who is in your presence now, Father God. So we thank you. We thank you for this marvelous uh, teaching, Father, and bless his health. Let no, uh, let there be 
no problems with his uh, health just uh, cleanse him all of his system holy spirit just flow through him and just flow and take away whatever is blocking this uh, uh, whatever he, he has uh, got some bug or something father we praise you father that Jesus took it all at the cross we thank you we thank you and uh, just just let your will be in his life as Rick said so beautifully in Jesus name we pray amen amen Chris take us home <laughs> Well, Aaron, um, as I was uh, listening to you talk about the things that you were saying um, with Clay, the Lord told me to tell you because of your obedience that um, he calls you a world changer. And that because of what you have done, you literally have changed the world. You've changed so many of us because of your obedience so many years ago. And we are all very thankful that you um, have the discernment and that you have the heart to listen to the Father. And um, I, I, for one, appreciate that, and I want to make sure that you know that. But, so Lord, I just thank you for Aaron. Lord, I thank you for the heart that you have given him. And he is a man after your own heart, Father. Lord, I just ask that every step that he takes would be ordered by you and that he would know that without a shadow of a doubt that what he is doing is in your will and it is what you want for him. And Father, I ask you that you would just talk to him in that still small voice because I know he can hear you and that you would give him the desire of your heart and that he would know without a shadow of a doubt that it's your desire for his life and for the rest of his life, Father. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to put a hedge of protection and a wall of fire around his mind, body, soul, and spirit from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, that no weapon that's formed against him shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against him, you will rebuke, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would give divine health and protection over his home and over every part of his family, Lord that any attacks that are trying to come against them because we know this next year is going to be a, a spiritual fight but lord we know that what you have called in the reawaken father we know it's of you and we know that so many more people are going to be awakened because of what they're doing lord and we also know that the enemy will try to attack everything father but in the midst of that i just ask that you would according to Ephesians 6, that you would put the whole armor of God on them. And Lord, as you showed me many, many times that the shield of protection that you give is like a snow globe, that you, that it's completely surrounding them, over top of them, under them, and on all sides of them, Father, that every fiery dart of the wicked one cannot penetrate the shield that you put around us. And Father, I just thank you and praise you, Father, for all you do all you have done and all you will do in the future and we praise you lord in your name i pray amen chris thank you for those kind words i really appreciate that thank you mm -hmm. for sharing that and thank you all for your prayers for me tonight very very appreciated yeah well thank, thank you, you thank you for sharing 
and uh, wow, for, if the backstage was just unmuting and thanking uh, Aaron as uh, we, we we close out the broadcast, we thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, thank Aaron. You. Thank you. And God bless. Oh, God bless. Thank you, Aaron. Thank, thank you. you, guys. Always enjoyable. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, so much. Bye. All right, good. Yeah, God right. bless. All right, Aaron, thank you so much. We can't bye wait bye. to see you next time to go through another painting when we have a chance. Yeah, God bless bye you. Bye. All right. Awesome. Sounds good, Rick. I look forward to seeing you guys soon. Thank you so much for the time tonight. I hope thank all you of you too. have a very blessed Christmas. You too. You too. You too. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, I'm just going to do a quick prayer out and just to say thank you for being part of this uh, ministry. I know that this is um, a special time of year for many people, but also a hard time of year for many others, right? Um, so I just wanted to make sure you knew that you're never alone. Jesus will never forsake you or, or will never will never, will never leave you. So what you can um, do is just make sure that you have him in your life, right? So just to, just accept him as your savior, allow that him to just to love you, spend time with him, right? It's a big part of what he's been telling me um, over and over again is put him first in your life and uh, you're going to have that peace even in the difficult times even when when he shakes this world like never before right um, it's just a, the perfect time um, to make sure that he's first in your life as we celebrate uh, his birth right and uh, even if you don't celebrate christmas and i know some people don't because of some of the the origins of it um you can still celebrate the the the, the living christ that's within you right and uh, do not let that uh, sorrow come into you as you just uh, continue to just bond with family. If you have family, you're getting around family. I would encourage everyone, uh, this is not the perfect time to potentially, uh, a lot of times, uh, try to uh, um, red pill people. I have a whole class on bonding it and, and uh, adjusting. Because remember, in order to actually affect somebody and, and, and influence them, you have to have two things. You have to have likability and credibility. So being rude to your families, this is not the time to do that. Um, you need to be, have likability, right? And then to have credibility, you need to talk about the proper things that you can actually back up, right? And have proper information. So, so I, I always recommend you get really good at a few things, maybe plant a few seeds in that area where you can back it up, right? And that's why I, 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 I teach on Operation Mockingbird as one example. Um, there's a lot of other uh, things, but make sure you don't go all over the place and try to overwhelm people. You need to have likability and credibility, right? Um, and, and, and those of you, again, that uh, just aren't around family and you're alone, let, I just want to make sure you know you're not alone. And I also invite you back to our, our backstage, our, our neighborhood. It's where you can uh, just really be around other people that are uh, in the, of the same mindset. They love Jesus and they love their country. Right, all over the world. We're talking about um, Annette, who prayed was from, uh, from 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 Sweden, and you got Annette, who's praying all the time on here. I'm sorry, not Annette, but Elizabeth from 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 Australia, and you got Di, who's on, who's from um, England. So all over the place. Uh, we but we all come together in the neighborhood. So it's neighborhood.social. You see down down below, often in in the uh, header there the neighborhood.social so we just would love to have you but let me just do a quick prayer for everyone uh, as we as we move to a bible study if you if you, if you go to backs if you go to blessedteach.com and you just go to the backstage at, at what used to be 1776 a month is now free absolutely free where you can be really uh, do zoom um, with us backstage um, with these 
awesome Patriots. There's a lot of, a lot of people backstage with Aaron right now, right? And um, you can also, and so now that is free. Just go blessedteach.com, hit the backstage tab, or blessedteach.com slash backstage. We'd love to have you backstage. We also would love to have you in the neighborhood, okay? Uh, two separate things, but uh, both of them get you more ingrained with other uh, people here. So let me lift you up. Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for this Christmas season. Thank you so much for the birth of Christ and uh, the beautiful message we had tonight. And Lord, I just want to lift up everybody that's listening to my voice right now, Lord. This can be a very hard time for some people. It can be a very special time for others. Lord, so I just pray that you will um, be that solid rock for us all, right? It's a, it's, it's like um, Psalm 18:46 that I sing all the time. But it, 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 it is, is the, um, the Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation. Again, the Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation. May this God of your salvation be your rock, be your solid place, and that you will be cement yourself on that. You'll live first for Him, as He just, as you just let the love of the Lord lead you going forward. Lord, just bless everyone during this season. We love you, and we say these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Hey, thank you so much for being here. We'd love to have you join us backstage for a Bible study here right now. If the backstage is reminded one more time, just uh, unmuting and saying goodbye. Happy birthday, Jesus. Merry Christmas, everyone. Bye. And God bless. Shalom. Shalom, everybody. Good night. God bless. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Which one would you like? We believe we are blessed to be free to love our God. Yeah, God bless.